0: Uh, The first 14 verses, He gives us six blessings. He tells us that He chose us, that He uh, predestined us to adoption as sons, then He redeemed us, then He enlightened us, He enriched us, and He sealed us. After He listed all of these things that have happened already to Nikki and to Matt and to every other believer in this room, He recognizes you're not going to really understand what I've just said. You're not going to grasp how great is uh, His grace toward us. And so He prays. Starting in verse 15, He prays. And His prayer essentially consists of three purpose clauses stacked one on top of the other. He starts out and says, "Um, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ I pray that you may grant them wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. And we've got seats at the back. Good. Caroline and Sean. There's some up front. Good. Oh, you're going to get powder burns today. All right. <laughs> so he prays. Yes, ma'am. So, when we pray at the end, if you'll remind me, Panda, we'll pray for them as well. So, this is their last week. So, imbibe deeply and uh, you get your final exam when you move. <laughs> um, so, three purpose clauses starting in verse 15. First purpose is that He may grant you wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Second purpose is Is actually in the Greek, it's just the eyes of your heart being enlightened. It's a truncated, intensive purpose clause. And so to help you, the editors inserted, I pray that. So the editors, according to the editors, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. That's the second purpose clause. And the third purpose clause is the ultimate purpose that you, and he lists three things that he wants to happen, three things that he wants Jim to know. First, he wants Jim to know the hope of his calling. That is, Jim. I'm called you for a purpose. I want you to know what it is, and it's bound up in these six blessings. Second thing, I want you to know what is the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. You've got to have to grasp the, the riches that you have in Jesus. And the third thing is that you may know what is the the uh, um, surpassing, greatness. surpassing greatness. Thank you, Sean you are to know what is the surpassing greatness of His power toward us who believe. We, we're totally incapable of grasping how great God's power is towards Francisco and Sahara. We think God exercises a little bit of power. We have no comprehension. how much power. And so, because those are the three things He wants, because the last one He listed, as you may know His power, He says, let me illustrate what the, the scope of my power. What is the surpassing greatness of this power? And he starts it out by saying according to, and he uses three different words for work, according to the working of the strength of his mind. Three different Greek words that it takes to communicate to you how great is this power that he wants to exercise on Cody's behalf. And the power that he illustrates is that he took a man who was dead. And he raised him from the dead. And he seated him at his right hand. That is, he made him equivalent to God. Far above all rule authority and power and dominion and every name that is named not only in this world but also in the world to come. And then he put all things in submission to his feet and he made him his head over Julian and Leah because you're part of the church. He's your head. He's your authority. He tells you what to do. When he says jump, you stay up till he says come down. It's easy to jump up, it's hard to stay up till he says come down. So that's the illustration of the third thing that he wants you to know. So last week, Jim learned, or two weeks ago when we met last, Jim learned how great that power is that God wants to exercise on his behalf. Today, Starting in chapter 2, we're going to learn the hope of his calling. What did he want you to do? What in the world was his mind for, for Chase to do? That's Kelly's project to help God make Chase. <laughs> Big project, Kelly. <laughs> so, I gave you a sheet of paper. I'm going to ask you in a very, very honest way now. Be very transparent with me. How many of you even looked at the sheet of paper that I gave you that we were going to study today? Let's see the hands. Okay. Thank you for your transparency. <laughs> so take the, take the black and white sheet that's in front of you. And let's look at it. This is the hope of his calling. And it starts out in verse 1 of chapter 2. And there'll be actually eight different things we want to look at today. And I've got them listed in order. And so number one, you can see the long line on the left. And it points to two things. Being dead in your trespasses and sin and being rich in mercy. That long line. And right in the middle of that line, you'll see the number one. So the first thing I want you to notice is he said that you were being dead in sin and God was being rich in mercy. So there are uh, continuing action. Um, Tara was as dead as this table is dead. And then he describes how dead Tara was. Now, lest she thinks I've been reading her mail... I have not been reading your mail. Uh, But God has. And he says three things about Aaron when you were dead. He says you walked according to the world, you walked according to Satan, and you walked according to the flesh. Do you see that? It's got a number two. A little two, a little two, and a little two. Three twos. So this is what happens to Robert when he's dead. Um... Dead people do things that dead people do. Unsaved people, because that's what dead people are, they're unsaved. Unsaved people act like unsaved people. Satan, they're they're his puppets. And he he operates just like that. And he does this and you jump. He does that and you jump up. Because he he is he is your he is the God of this world, 2 Corinthians tell us. It's got a little box with verses right up above one of those number twos, according to the course of uh, the Prince of the Power of the Air. Those are just verses to describe what Satan is like. He's the Prince of the Power of the Air. He's in control of this entire world. And the people that make the movies, he's in control of that. The people that are on TV, he's in control of that. The people that make your governmental decisions, he's in control of that. You wonder why they're so... Because Satan's in control. So three things about you, when you, when, when you were dead, you walked in direct relationship with Satan. Secondly, you walked direct relationship with the world. There's a system, there's a world, there's a culture designed by the world. And Cody walked that way. That was his mindset. He thought that way. The world... The devil and the flesh. That's who you were. Now, notice number notice number three. That's the first one on the far left. But God. Two of the strongest things in the English language. But God, when you were walking that way, and Sean, I hope you'll forgive me. I didn't ask you if I could do this before you came into class today. Uh, and I, I don't know Aaron that well, or I might use him, so you No, <laughs> no you know. So when Sean was on the beach laying, having been almost passed out, wishing God would just take him. World was over, he had gambled it all away, he'd been living according to the world, the flesh, and the devil. And it was all over and he was, but God, at that instant in time, but God, look at the difference, oh my goodness, indescribable, the difference, but God makes. Stephen and Ashley walked into class and I don't know what they, I don't know what they were like before, okay, but I do know one thing, they walked according to the world, flesh and the devil. They thought that way. But God, but God, dramatic change starts. Now, it doesn't overwhelm you when it starts. It's not like you've been hit by a Mack truck and then he backs up and hits you again. You don't sense it that instantly. But it starts right there. And if you let him, he'll make you into a different person. That's the third thing I want you to notice. But God. It happened to everybody in this room that knows Jesus. Amen. And if but God hasn't happened to you, and your life hasn't really started to change, people notice. Yes. You can smell the difference. Amen. By the way, it's possible to say the words and not experience the truth because you weren't really dealing with God. If you're really dealing with God, then you will experience the truth. And if it's not happening in your life, then you need to ask yourself, was I sincere and honest? Or was I just saying words? That makes sense. That's number three. Number four. Now you should notice, and that's the, the, the value of this grammatical layout. Number 4 has three things attached to it. And you might not recognize if you're just reading it in your Bible. This is the same the same words but it's organized grammatically. Number 4, he made us alive. Number 4, he raised us up with him. Number 4, he seated us with him. Now, I know you know that Blake has his ups and downs. That's a lot of them. A lot of yeah. them. And fortunately, There are more ups than downs, or he wouldn't be here this morning. (laughs) But when God chose him before the foundation of the world, all of that was already in the future. That's right. Which is, how can that be? Only God. But he saw it all, he sees the future. And he sees today that Samantha is seated at the right hand of God. You're sitting there, unbelievable. Look at that person next to you. They're seated with God. Seated, equal, peer with God. That takes inordinate power. That's the power he's talking about in chapter 1. He's now exercising that power... Oh, damn. And here is the part that I love. Number six. Did I know? No, five. I'm sorry, five. Five, back up. Number five. Why did all this happen? Because of his great love. He loved us. But, in, in John 3, I think it's uh, 17, it says, He didn't come for judgment. He came uh, for, to, save the, to save the people. His he, intention was not judgment. His intention was to save us. Right. We judge ourselves in a sense. When we don't allow Him, we don't respond to His love. But God loves you infinitely, individually, personally. He knows how many hairs there are in your head. He knows how many fingers you have. He knows every thought that you have. And he loves Marissa anyway. Amazing. Amazing. You're right. It is amazing. You stop and think. I want you to think about when you were deep in sin last week. When you knew what you were thinking or doing or saying was not what God wanted you to think or do or say. Think about that. At that very instant, God was actively loving you. So, it's His love that motivates us. But now, you see the in order of that in the middle with the three stars. Why did God do all of this? Why? What motivated Him? What was it that He intended the end to be? In order that in the ages to come, now i got some news for you. Most of us in this room, and the younger you are, the greater the tendency is. And the older you are, you get a little closer to home and you do it a little differently just because of the age. But you don't really think About the age to come. This is not the end. How many of you think of a time in junior high school when you didn't make the basketball team, the football team? Think about it. How many of you can think when you didn't get invited to the party where all the cool kids got to go? And you were crushed, right? And you thought, this is terrible. And your mother tried to say, no, no. And you look now and you say, that was nothing. That was nothing. That was just such a small thing. I shouldn't have been upset over it. Had I known what I know today, I wouldn't have been upset, right? Well, I'm telling you, there are worlds. And by the way, that's not singular. That's not a world to come. That is worlds to come. And this is just junior high school. This is junior high. I didn't get selected. He jilted me. She jilted me. He threw sand in my eyes. He left me. She did. It's small stuff. Small stuff. The world. You know when you run a horse race, you actually run twice? First time you run for pole position. You know what pole position is? It's what. Your starting position. Why do you do that? Inside of the track, you have, have less. More... Very, very good. This is because some people might not understand that. There's the, the starting line, and here's horse one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Now, when you get to running the race, you go all the way around here, and you're going to come back, and you're going to finish right here. The guy that's out here. Is it got a little bit of a handicap? That makes sense? And so you run the first race to find out pole position, they call it. How far away from the pole do I start? Guess what? We're running today for pole position. This is pole position, folks. This isn't the race, this is pole position. Do you think Bezos with his $500 million boat thinks it's unimportant because of the world? He doesn't even dream about the world to come. He has no idea about it. And Jeff recognizes Bezos in the world to come is going to be a nobody. And I'm going to be a somebody. And in the somebody world, there are some, 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 somebody, and there's some, some, somebody, and there's somebody. There's differences then like there are differences today. There's differences in role, responsibilities, relationships, and rewards. You're running pole position today to determine what you're going to do then. In the age to come, think about that. Stop thinking about this is for this world. It's not for this world. It's for the next one and the next one. There's a big, long time in front of us. This is just a little one. And he says, okay, in the age to come, this is what I'm thinking about. I want to show Kiara as the surpassing riches of my grace. Think about that. I'm going to take Chiarta and I'm going to put her on a pedestal. I'm going to make a bust of her. So everybody can see it. So that's Kiara. And you'll pass by It's going to be like God's Grace Hall of Fame. And you'll wander down there and you'll see this story and this story and this story. Those are your stories. And each one of them is going to be God's grace. And that's what he's looking forward to. Now I'm going to look over and see man, what a gracious story. Look over there. There's Joe. Look at the difference in what he's posted and what was. Because of the grace of God. Because Joe shut up every Sunday in Sunday school? No. Why? Because God did a work in his heart. God did it. Not because Joe worked for it. Because God worked a mighty grace in Chris Blue's heart. That's the world to come. He's going to post you. And notice what it says. Oh my goodness. In order that he might show in the ages to come the surpassing riches of his grace. Now, he didn't do this because he likes to thump people on the head, because he likes to deprive man. He did it in kindness. God is a kind person. And in kindness, and he did it in Jesus, because this all takes place when you get in the Jesus boat. You have been saved, and I put this little box on the right for those brethren who want to tell us that God gave me faith. Well, I differ from that. And you can't use this verse to prove God gave you the faith, and here's the reason why. Look carefully at that box. He says, for you have been saved, and the word saved is a masculine participle, by grace is a feminine noun, through faith is a feminine noun, and that That's the demonstrative program, and that is the battlefield. That's what everybody argues over. What's the that? What does the that refer back to? And that is not of yourself. What is it? Well, that cannot be referring back to faith, because that is a neuter gender, and faith is a feminine gender. And in the Greek language, it's very, very, Complex and they change the letters at the end to determine whether it's masculine, feminine, neuter. So you can't misunderstand what the pronouns refer to. Does that make sense? So if it was referring back to that, then it should, or I'm sorry, if that was referring back to faith, then that should be feminine? Then that, right, that, no, it would be neuter. If, if faith, if that, not of yourselves, that faith, then because that is a neuter gender, the faith would also be a neuter gender. Oh, yeah, sorry. But it's not. It's a, f- it's a feminine gender, which means it can't be referring back to faith. And it can't be referring back to grace, because that's a feminine. So what does it refer to? Well, it refers to the idea, the concept of salvation, the whole thing. That's not of yourself. The fact that God saved you is not of yourself. It's a gift of God as a result of works. Now, the last thing I want you to recognize is number eight at the bottom. For we are his workmanship. Uh, The workmanship, uh, the the Greek word is poema. And that from which we get our word poem. And so Ashley is God's, not just Ashley, what Ashley does is God's poem. He is writing a poem today. And he wants everybody to know how gracious he is. And he is writing it through Ashley and what she does today are the lines in his poem. So when you do sacrificial acts that you think nobody sees. So I can remember my mother. They'd pass the chicken around. And all the boys would jump out and grab the good pieces. And then when she'd come to the end, <laughs> She's such a sweet lady. And they say, her name was Lisa? Lisa? Oh, I don't want any. She wanted to make sure her boys had plenty of chicken. God knows. We don't see all that. We don't know what goes on in Sahara's heart when she wants to sacrifice. So Francisco has plenty to eat or wears a nice shirt. We don't see that. I don't see what goes on my wife's motives and why she always is so nice to me. And does your laundry. And does my laundry. But God does. And, And God is writing a poem about grace through her. It's interesting that you bring that up because you think about the idea that he's writing that poem in our lives. We don't often understand how that's going to be used or for what reason or anything else. But you take, for example, George Mueller's life. George Mueller didn't go around telling people that he prayed every morning. For these kids to receive food. Somebody wrote that story or took George Mueller's story and published it for others to read, but yet he's been an impactful poem for Christians for what, how long? Hundred years. Hundred years on the power of prayer. Where's Reagan and Hutch today? Why aren't they here? Because they're in the nursery. Did you know that? And she's a new mom. You know what they call that sacrifice? Service. That's service, folks. When do you serve? Do, do you, when do you serve? Ask yourself. Do I serve or am I a taker? When do I serve? Because that's the best part of his poem. Pick up your colored sheet now. That refers back to salvation. The whole concept, salvation by grace. Yes, but but not any one of those words. Referring back to the concept that that God saves by by grace. So you think that they is this totally the way it was translated? Because it makes little sense to me that it would be way down here and not refer to anything near it. It is referring to something near it. It's referring back to this whole concept right here. All of this modifies this. This is the final product. You had the the grammatical layout is a worksheet. The final product is this outline. So God has called you to become a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Sorry. God has called you to become, first of all, a masterpiece of the grace of God. Do you see that? In order to do that, now everything around this passage is organized around that idea. He's called me because he's going to put me on a pedestal and I'm going to walk down and we're going we're to read about all these stories of the grace of God. I've got to acknowledge my need for the grace of God. I've walked according to the world, the flesh, and the devil. I've got to identify the cause of the grace of God, revealed in the mercy of God by his love. I've got to grasp the magnitude. He went from here to here. And lastly, I've got to appropriate his purpose. I am designed, God bore me. My purpose is to be a picture of the grace of God for all eternity. In order to do that, I need to A, number one, excuse me, magnify the character of the artist. So Michelangelo carved the statue of David. Supposedly the most famous statue in the world because it's so perfect. And you can look at the statue and say, look at this wonderful statue. But what happens is you say, Michelangelo is the man. His character and his skill. And God in his character says, his ultimate timing, his wisdom, his magnanimous magnanimous purpose identified that you might show the surpassing riches of His grace. His tender compassion identified in kindness. His lavish generosity in our salvation by grace through faith. And lastly, we are to magnify His skill. We are His workmanship. He is using me like a pencil to write through my work. What I'm doing right now is part of my poem. Thank you for helping me write it. And today, what I want you to walk out, when when Christy walks in the grocery store next week, I want her to walk in. Stand up for a second, Christy. And we'll just walk down, stand behind Steve. As she walks in this grocery store, I want her to think, I am a statue of the grace of God. I want people to know God has made me a masterpiece of His grace. If that could ever filter down in your hearts and you walk around thinking, I want want Taylor, I want Sam. I'm a masterpiece of the grace of God. That'll change your life. That'll change your actions. So, Chase, close us in a word of prayer, please, sir. Is Chase still here? Chase is gone. Chase is gone. Sam, falls to you. I mean, not Sam. Sean. Heavenly Father, just, uh, in all of Your majesty, in Your glory, and Lord, uh, what a privilege it is that we're able to uh, come to Your throne, that You hear our prayers, that we're your sheep and we hear your voice, Lord. Let it speak to us. Uh, help us and use us to speak to others, to draw them near to you. Help us to realize the surpassing greatness of your power and that you have instilled in us your Holy Spirit, Lord, that we carry your body to everyone that we come in contact with. That it would exude out of us a light that would be immeasurable and people say, What is that? I want that. Make it attractive to them, Lord, through us and in us. Uh, we are glad to be a part of your hall of fame, to be glorifying your name, and in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. <laughs>